The Spin-Off Podcast Network. Are you making the most of your KiwiSaver investment? Generate is an award-winning KiwiSaver provider with a track record of strong long-term performance. Making a smart decision now could add tens of thousands of dollars by the time you reach retirement. Book a no-obligation chat with a Generate KiwiSaver advisor today at generatekiwisaver.co.nz slash advice. A copy of the product disclosure statement is available at generatekiwisaver.co.nz. The issuer of the scheme is Generate Investment Management Limited and, of course, past performance does not guarantee future returns. Ready to rediscover the joys of cycling? With over 300 kilometres of cycle paths across Tamaki Makoto, jumping on your bike and going for a ride is such a fun way to discover the city from a different perspective. Cycling is getting more and more popular across Auckland, so now's a great time to join the hype and give cycling a go. Head to at.govt forward slash cycling to find your nearest cycleway today. Most podcasts don't have pod in their name, yeah. <laughs> like cereal pod, you know? <laughs> Imagine if songs are like that, eh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Rolling in the deep song. <laughs> Kia ora koutou. welcome to The Real Pod. This is your podcast for reality TV and popular culture in Aotearoa. I am Alex Casey. Today, we're going off script. We're going off piste. We're going into the underworld with new guests. <laughs> Some of which you may have never heard on this podcast before. Some of which may be familiar to you. Um, think of it basically like the masked podcaster is what I'm going to say. In the producer's throne today, we have DJ Ethan Jupe. <laughs> How are we doing? <laughs> and my first guest is spinoff news hound, and I would say King Corny. How do you feel about that, Stuart Simonland? I think we'd have to ask Wayne what he makes of that. But thank you for having me. Very excited. Well, we've always said that Wayne is the mayor. Yeah. So does he appoint... Do I appoint the mayor or does he appoint the king? I no. think... I think because Wayne does a lot more like civic duties day to day with the uptake of the Real Pod Corner, whereas but, you, yeah. no offence... Just sort of sit back. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and occasionally people come to me and ask me to be hit a comment. Yes, true. And for like high level. Yeah. And when we mm-hmm. need you for like important public functions such as this, yeah. you show up. I'll, t- I'll take it. Um, it feels, I like that. I'm, I'm royal. I'm, a ro- <laughs> I'm royal. You're royal. You, <laughs> we will get you on the money. Yeah. <laughs> Eventually when we make crypto. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> when this pod falls apart. That'd be great. Coming up on the podcast, we're going to be looking at the shambles that was the Block NZ auctions, the bizarro delight of Rita Ora at the Rugby World Cup, and we're going to recap all the celebrity Treasure Island gossip with one of the current celebrities. But what we haven't told you is actually overnight, Stuart. I mean, you can see this. Yeah. Ethan, you can see this. A monolith has arrived in the studio. What's in the box? What's in the monolith? <laughs> it's large. It's in charge. And there's someone inside it. And it's got like a cranky wheel thing that you got to turn to to open it. It does. I don't know how they got in overnight. No. You know, this it's the building is secured to the nines. It's the art department that leaves binoculars lying around. <laughs> they're, they're, they're snuck in. Sure. So there is someone inside this monolith inside the studio who will be revealed in the second half of this podcast. Stuart, do you have any guesses? Well, we've seen, oh, you see current cast. I was going to say, we've seen Chris Parker jump out of a box this week. Mm. So he's got track record of emerging from inside a box. 
so that's a possibility. But you said current cast, but does it, because he was on one episode, is that a current cast mm. member? I don't know. I'm throwing. A lot of questions, a lot of questions. Ethan, who do you think is inside the monolith? I've just been sitting here for two minutes Googling what a monolith is. So. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is what I like about Ethan. Not only do you not watch any reality <laughs> TV, when I walked in today to start this podcast, you looked at me and went, is this the real pod? <laughs> like, I'm going to sit down and drop a gone by lunchtime on your ass. It's because I'm here. I'm throwing, I'm throwing everything off. That's true. It could be the news. <laughs> yeah, it actually could be the news. And it should be the news in a lot of ways. Speaking of which, let's get into the real news. Professional broadcasting, <laughs> don't you? Get us on Today <laughs> FM. This is what happens when Jade and Duncan are away for school holidays. <laughs> I go absolutely wrong. I'm creating a theatre of the mind universe. There's a monolith, there's news. We've got special guests. It's very exciting. What do we want to talk about first, Stuart? First of all, you've had COVID. Yeah, so if I provide any sort of phlegmy ASMR on mm. the mic, um, I can only apologise. Or maybe that's what you're into, I don't know. We've gone through <laughs> two years of a pandemic, it's possible that we all really enjoy a bit of horse throat. True. It's coming back, it's like it's like retro now to have COVID in a way. Like I know, people I got feel it nostalgic it, for COVID. I got it when it was uncool. Mm. After I, I have survived. This is my first infection. I've been reporting on it from the front line. I've been to Taylor Swift <laughs> parties, I've been to concerts, and I tested positive for COVID-19 on my girlfriend's birthday and she also succumbed and anyway, the the rest is history. And this is in 2022. Yeah. Very late to the party. Yeah. As the resident young person, Bianca, our TikTok, our TikTok uh, extraordinaire described, it's chuggy to get COVID now. <laughs> I, I never quite worked out what that meant, but it sort of sounds a little bit like the feeling that was in my throat for much of the past week. <laughs> But you're feeling better now. If I, if I just pause on, on mic today, it's because I've forgotten <laughs> where I am. <laughs> I, maybe I'm in a monolith. Who knows? <laughs> Aren't we all in our own personal monoliths <laughs> in a lot of ways? Be your own shower with. <laughs> um, I thought we could talk about local government. <laughs> maybe we are doing Gone by Lunchtime. Oh, my God. I don't know. But I wanted to talk particularly about um, the celebrity news in, inside local okay. government. Mostly that Geordie Porty, the bachelor's dad, is now the mayor of Christchurch. This is shocking to me. So I, as as our, what do you call me, news hound, news dog? News I don't know. I've been following the news. I have seen the last name Major crop up in Christchurch. I have read stories on thespinoff.co.nz <laughs> about this man. And I just always dismissed it as, must be a coincidence. There can't, mm-hmm. be, can't be another major in the news. Major news. It's true. He's Jordan's even in some of his like fancy photos with like his family and stuff on his campaign. It's Have for we real. reported this? Is this breaking? Can you report just a very basic sort of fact? I guess you can. <laughs> well, what is on the news, this podcast? Stuart? <laughs> well, <laughs> I don't, I feel like it's news. It was news for the the corner. Will be going crazy. It's oh. definitely interesting, and it's a it's. Because there were some other celebrities in the running this year who didn't make it. Marcus Lush, of yep, course. Yep. Who y- yes, I. Oh, okay, this is. A, I've got a story for the pod. Okay, this is very exciting. So, I interviewed Marcus Lush in his house in Bluff a couple oh, of weeks ago. Heaven. Very exciting. I was running on about maybe two and a half, three hours sleep because I'd um, been out the night before with some journalists after a debate. 
Then it got to 1am and I realised I had to write a story for the spin-off that morning and do a live radio interview at 6am. So anyway, I was exhausted. Then I drove all the way to Bluff to do this interview, did the interview, went to the airport, dropped off the rental car keys, got into the security line, looked in my pocket. Why are there still rental car keys in my (gasps) pocket? I had taken Marcus Lush's keys off his (laughs) dining table, driven from Bluff to Invercargill, and handed his keys with his ZB swipe card and his house key into the <laughs> into the rental car company and they put it in a locked box, a monolith if you like, and they had to unlock it for me while they were like going final call, get on the plane to Auckland, the only direct flight to Auckland. I was, yeah, and I was exhausted. Anyway, it was a panic, but this feels unheard of and it's kind of, a, I guess, a, an anticlimax. The rental car company offered to take the keys personally to his house. To for free. Well, that's what you get when you're, you know. Media, yeah, you wouldn't get that in Auckland. You oh, get, you think it's a regional? I reckon. Thing yeah, I, don't, I think a... that courtesy would be afforded if I'd, <laughs> if I'd taken Hosking's keys in, <laughs> in Auckland or something. But well, down in they'd the be gold plated. You'd yeah. know. You'd know instantly. Well, I don't know how I didn't know. Well, I guess it was the sleep deprivation, but they did have like eight other keys and a swipe card on them. That's amazing. <laughs> oh my god, that is a great, great story. Yeah. Can I ask? Is it bad to ask what was his house like? <laughs> I like really yeah. love Marcus Lush. Yeah, I'm obsessed, yeah. and he was great. Um, well, he lives right on the water in Bluff. It was blowing oh. a gale. It was freezing. It was like zero degrees. I was in my big puffer jacket. He was in shorts and t-shirt. <laughs> Fire was blaring. It was like very like humble, like nice rural kind of southern house, I guess. Mm. Lost stuff. I think that, and you know, no shade to Marcus, but I think that's possibly why I grabbed the keys off the table because the table I was sitting at had lots of stuff on it. And Did I he think, just have a lineup of keys, <laughs> like a Fear Factor challenge or something? I just there was just a lot of stuff going on yeah. in that house, and I'd been sort of lulled by the warm fire. There was a smell of eucalyptus in the air. I don't know. Oh. It was it was sort of like homely, woody smell. <laughs> And that's more news that we're breaking right yeah, now. Yeah, that's an exclusive. Woody smell. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kevin Mialamu was also running for council. Did you know this? I did not know this. How do I know more about local body politics How than you we, do? We're breaking all these stories. He didn't make it. Okay. Um, that's disappointing. Basically, I only want to bring that up because, so I can segue to, speaking of rugby, the Rugby World Cup started on the weekend. Rita yeah. Ora performed before the big New Zealand-Australia match, and then at halftime, I was there to watch all of it. Were you there, Stuart? I was not there, and I did not watch it. Because you had COVID or because you're <laughs> um, a bad New Zealander? Okay, so there, there, is a, there is a series of incidents. One of them is that I was technically recovering from COVID, but then the other thing was that Super I was eyes. Doing, a, <laughs> doing a catch-up birthday because of the COVID birthday. But then it was also local elections day, so I was glued to my phone. I was a very unsociable birthday guest. Okay. Anyway, okay. I'm a bad New Zealander is what it comes down to. Happy birthday, Gwen. I assume you're talking about Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Well, okay. Well, I was there, thank God. Um, And Rita, it was very strange. I don't know if you saw the spin-off fantastic coverage. I've seen the coverage. I've read a lot of coverage, so I'm aware of the weirdness. And perhaps it's kind of like because they build it as this, like, Super Bowl halftime show and we know what the Super Bowl looks like. (laughs) We know the scale. We know the pyrotechnics, the acrobatics. It was basically kind of just Rita on a very small stage, very far away, with mm, eight or so dancers. Wasn't she on the field at one point? That was for the, the first performance she came out on the field, and it actually did look really good kind of on camera, like Was it like close. when Beyonce showed up and during Coldplay's performance and like did, did formation on the 
almost exactly know. like that. <laughs> <laughs> wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, Taika introduced her at halftime. It seemed very much like Taika had just kind of made a decision to come out very early, like with only five minutes to go. And because the, the party at Māori Club performed before Rita and they were terrific. Um, and I think he kind of forgot that he had to introduce them before he introduced Rita. So he came out and did this long sort of speech being like, someone very special to me. I just wanted to come out and say, you know, she's wonderful, very, very close to my heart. Oh, and also another <laughs> group that's really close <laughs> to my heart, the party at Māori Club, ladies and gentlemen. But it was quite charming and hokey and like... Classic New Zealand kind yeah. of a way. And I feel like there's this weird, sad kind of tall poppy thing about Taika at the moment. I feel like there's a little bit of negativity about Rita Ora as well. Mm. Did that Was that a vibe when she was performing or when he was doing his weird intro? Not in the, not in the, not in it? Fortress Eden. No, people were loving it. The man behind, there was a man behind me who was like, oh, she's beautiful. <laughs> she's beautiful. <laughs> and someone else was like, she's tiny. Um, you know, there was a lot of love for her. And I looked around and people were singing along. Like, wow, so they, they knew songs. They knew the songs. That's good. Where I was like, Shazam. <laughs> did you, she, did she Shazam live? <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, if you have time and access to the Women's Rugby World Cup, try and watch it. Stuart? Yeah, I'm, I'm genuinely going to... To do it, the yeah. Except I have I have another concert on the final oh. day. So anyway, I'm I'm kind of not very patriotic. But the the middle games <laughs> before the final. Oh, that's the other thing is that Rita Ora thought she was performing at the finals, which is very funny. That's true. She, she posted since, on her Instagram. Yeah, she put on her Instagram that she was performing at the women's final. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that she mentioned rugby. And then she's now uh, re-uploaded it and said women's opening or something. She amended it. <laughs> oh, I do love her. Like, I do, I, I find her really fascinating and interesting. I'd highly recommend if you haven't watched her architect, Architectural Digest tour of her quite weird flat in London, um, highly recommend. Just, if you see Tyker and Rita anywhere, please email me, alex at thespinoff.co.nz. I want to know what they're doing all of the time, yeah. basically. Um... Okay, now we have to do kind of an uncomfortable pivot to Fboy Island because we pre-recorded last week and we missed the news that broke about these court charges that um, against one of the contestants. It, it was basically revealed by the Herald that uh, who was his name? Wade Moore had went to court last year facing charges of suffocation and admitted to police that he had lured an intoxicated woman to his house with the intentions of having sex with her. Horrible story, absolute nightmare. The show is already a pretty ropey premise that yeah. I think a lot of people needed a lot of convincing to get on board with. And I think this has kind of maybe killed the show. I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I feel entirely unqualified to talk about this. But, yeah, it, it feels like, I mean, have you watched it? I, I feel like I don't. I th- even if they sent it to me now as a screener or something, I'd probably just be like, I don't know if I want to. Yeah. Maybe out of, like, sort of morbid interest, morbid fascination, but it just feels like it can't really work anymore. I mean, they've stopped promoing it, basically. Yeah, it was just this morning, actually. So we're recording this on Tuesday, if where Island's supposed to arrive tomorrow on TVNZ. Um, I got my first kind of targeted YouTube ad for it this morning, but it definitely felt like they have been bearing it. They obviously cancelled the launch party and all this stuff while all the media storm was happening. 
you know, the, the woman at the centre of the story was kind of calling for him to be cut out, which they agreed to do. They cut him out of the show, but she actually wanted the show pulled. Yeah. And then there's been this um, petition from Project Gender, which I think has like over a thousand signatures now, um, calling for TVNZ to pull the show. A lot of pressure, a lot of tension. Um, I have watched the US one. I did kind of get into it when it was announced that they were making it here because I was curious. And it is quite, what do I want to say here? It's divisive. <laughs> it's very ironic and self-aware and almost like a parody of a reality show. It yeah. requires a lot of like suspension of belief and knowledge of dating genres and a willingness to kind of buy into the premise in a way that I think once something like this happens, it becomes very hard to suspend belief and be like, oh, we're just lads having fun on an island yeah. when half the cast have admitted to being essentially bad men and what we're realising now is like we don't know what the extent of that badness actually means in real life, you know? Um, I think what's like almost unfortunate about this thing is that, I mean, yeah, the US franchise is massive now and it's spread all around the world and, I mean, there is sort of precedent for it to kind of work or work in a way, like you say, sort of wink, wink, nudge, nudge way and then it arrives in New Zealand and very clearly the casting failed, mm. the casting process didn't work, and now I don't think it has a chance to re-emerge in that vaguely positive light. I mean, you wouldn't call the show feminist or anything necessarily, but, like, it kind of, it's it's not as bad as maybe its name and premise would make it seem. I don't yeah. know. I haven't seen it. That's just my read on it. No. It doesn't seem like it should be as bad as people as a lot of the commentary is suggesting. I think the, like, dream god tier analysis that they want of the show is that it's, like, a devastating takedown of masculinity and it reveals, you know, all these toxic traits and these parts of modern dating that are bad, but... Well, it kind of revealed that early. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, in the worst possible way. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that's arriving tomorrow. TBC on how that goes. Yeah. I'm going to tune in, but, yeah, I don't... I don't know. I realised last night that I was like, I've got the ick. That's what I've got, yeah. to use the reality terminology. I've got the ick, and I just, that news is really hard to shake when you're watching that show. Um, speaking of cursed television, <laughs> The Block NZ. Yeah. Ooh. So you've been a blockaholic. I have. Long-time blockaholic. Now, I think you said on the last episode something along the lines of, I'm still loving it, and I think that's a stretch. <laughs> I think that when CTI arrived, and I've never watched CTI before properly, I've watched the odd bit, but this is the first time I'm compulsively watching it, and I very quickly decided that that was my primary show because it arrived, I think, during Stairwell Week, mm. <laughs> and it was like, no, I don't, I don't really care anymore. And it's just there's been so many issues with this season in terms of just, I mean, it's everything you've talked about on, on the pod, just like that overt promotional stuff, the fact every room looked exactly the same in every house, the fact that they were all too nice, all of that sort of stuff. But yes, I would still identify, I self-identify <laughs> as a blockaholic because okay. I just love the franchise and I love seeing nice houses. So and that, is this the worst, this is the worst auction result we've ever had? Yeah, so I think it was... It was a few years back that we published or Jane wrote a story called something like The Block NZ Has Shat Itself or yes. something. And that was incredible compared to this year. I mean, that was, I think they won $30,000. Yeah. <laughs> and then there was, since then, we had the year that Stacey and Adam were on for the first time where they also won nothing. And I think another couple on that season won nothing. Mm. But now we've got two with nothing, <laughs> Murray and James with their measly $100. And then the winners... 
$4,000 profit. $4,000 yeah. profit. It was really painful television. Awful. And, like, at least it wasn't live. I kept yeah. thinking that. I was like, well, at least they've probably been able to do some kind of editing and softening around this yeah. and we're not just lingering on, like... I think they lingered, though. They oh. still lingered. The, the little cuts back, <clears throat> cuts to, um, to Shelley standing with the teams being like, oh, that was quite tough. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that felt, oh, awful. So uncomfortable to watch. And the craziest thing is you sit through this disaster. Chloe and Ben were last auction and they ended up winning with a $4,000 profit and $100,000. Everyone looks devastated, confused, yeah. horrified. And then we cut to Mark Richardson going, if you want to apply for the Block <laughs> NZ 2023, sign up Yeah, it's here. like New Zealand's biggest reality show is back. <laughs> <laughs> like, are we being gaslit? <laughs> I feel like yes. Yeah. I mean, we know, not to get all technical but you know the housing market goes up and down it's very possible next year will be a great year again yeah this says this was historically bad but at the same time why would you risk it because you're probably going to end up getting below minimum wage when you consider you're working like eight hour weeks yeah being filmed and scrutinized dealing with all the online trolling all of that kind of rubbish yeah why why would you risk it and yet at the same time I've always wanted to go on the block. <laughs> and maybe next year I've got more of a shot because no one's going to be applying. Maybe this is your time, Gwen, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, it's really, I mean, possibly part of it is like Ottawa townhouses as well, like compared to Point Chev, big yeah. kind of standalones. I don't know. I'm not a realestate.co.nz expert. But it did look like an absolute washout, like across the board nightmare. I was very surprised to see the casting call at the end of that yeah. episode. I'd just been reading tweets where people were going, okay, well, this is clear. They've pre-recorded this, so they've had time to work out this is a failure. There's no way it's coming back. Mm. And then very, it was just such a sudden jarring transition to, to Mark Richardson yeah. <laughs> calling for new teams. Yeah. And I th- almost thought it was quite cruel that they put the, because it was a 90-minute episode and it did not need to be that long. Like that's, mm. I think, as long, if not longer, than the live auctions used to be. Because they had all that preamble at the start, re- recapping things. That's right. Felt, made it, like, it sort of made it even worse when we then realised that things had not gone well. True, and, like, they knew that. Yeah, but <laughs> they, they were like, well, let's look at the highlights. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. Obviously, two very different situations, FY Island and The Block, but what both have resulted in is, like, quite a massive social media outcry. Like, there were stories about yeah. people calling for The Block to be cancelled. We've got petitions for FY Island. I do just generally feel like people are just so tired. <laughs> We've been through hell. We just don't want to see people in pain or at risk of being hurt anymore, like, in reality. Mm. I feel like... But at the same time, and, I mean, you'd need Duncan here with his sort of knowledge of TV ratings and stuff, but, you know, MasterChef and Bake Off and those sorts of things, pretty happy reality TV. I feel like there's no online chatter. No one really watches them. Shows like The Block, though, seem to rate pretty well. Uh, Is it still? I don't know. Well, I don't know. I mean, based on the online chatter, there was so much... You know, a lot of people were clearly watching that or yeah. at least had an opinion on it. But I'm very surprised if MasterChef New Zealand comes back next year because I think I was the only person watching it by the end. That's true. That's true. And that was happy. What else is happy, though, is Bake Off, which we have not talked about on this podcast really, yeah. but I have been watching. And I actually kind of love as my little sanctuary where I, like, don't have to take notes and think about it yeah. very hard. Um, the finale 
will have aired, I think, when this comes oh out. Oh, God. I'm a couple of weeks behind. Are you? Yeah. Oh, it's just been so good. I was really like, I know you wrote about yeah. Peter Gordon and um, the KK, Jordan Rondell, being kind of weird judges at the start. I've really come to love their extremely gentle, quite sleepy <laughs> <laughs> approach to being on television. <laughs> I just, I'm yeah, I still struggle with that because I feel like as a viewer, even if what they're eating is amazing, I want to know how amazing it is so that I can kind of feel like I'm in the room. But they just go, mm, that's quite nice. But <laughs> that was I, a good Peter but, but I want to be told why it's nice. Mm. And they never really elaborate beyond a positive or a negative critique. I like to just hear, yummy. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Gordon loves to drop a yum and a yummy. Yeah. And I just kind of respect it. It's sort of like, even though they're these very high-level, extremely successful um, industry leaders, they just kind of talk like normal people. <laughs> like, that's what I'd say. I'd be like, that's yum. <laughs> yeah, job. but I've been watching um, British Bake Off at the same time, mm. which is going through its own sort of cancellation <laughs> event at the moment, right. which we can get into if you want, but I haven't actually seen that episode. But they, the judges on that are just so good at explaining what they're eating. It's just so, it's just such a contrast between, and I think that Fleischl Schneider did a pretty good job of that as well. Just, I felt like they were able to give good critiques where I knew what had happened, why why something was bad. Mm. Or I felt like, wow, that's the most amazing cake. I really want to eat it. Mm. I just want to eat all of it. It was Chocolate Week I watched last night. Oh, I don't want to spoil it for you. No, it's okay. So I don't want to predict, the, like, <laughs> I kind of love the final three, um, I really love Jonathan. I always love a surprising baker. Oh, yeah, Jonathan, okay. the kind of was English guy. shocked that he... Because the stereotype, at least based on the British one, is usually that the, like, couple of mature contestants go in the first couple of weeks. They're yeah. usually like, I've been baking this recipe since my grand taught it to me, <laughs> and they just, like, give it their best shot, and then yeah. the judges are like, why did you not add any salt? Because <laughs> like, that's what my nan did. Yeah. <laughs> So they're usually not very good. So, yeah, I'm loving how they're act- that, that he's actually nailing it. Yeah. And he's imaginative and has inventive recipes. He's good with flavours. And yeah. I do think in recent episodes, particularly Jordan has been explaining a bit more. He yeah. made a crazy thing for Chocolate Week. Like, just, like, he was listing what was in it and it just went on for, like, ten minutes. Like, just <laughs> so many different things. Um, so, yeah, love Bake Off. Love comforting shows. Yeah. Love Treasure Island as well. I'm loving it. It's so good. Is that is could could you give us any more thoughts on this week before we before because we have to open the monolith soon? Yeah, like the I'm monolith is creaking. I can hear. The monolith is going to open soon. Um, who's your pick to win Treasure Island? What do you think currently? A week six. I am, and this could be out of date because I have not seen screeners. So hopefully this person doesn't go home. I'm still on the Devoy train. Mm-hmm. I feel like she is, because, you know, when Mel went, that was like, okay, that's a shot. I mean, not Mel, sorry, oh, Mel. TK, TK, yeah. I mean. I was like, okay, that's a that's someone who could have been there. So now I reckon it's going to be Mel or Devoy or potentially Cam, now that he's sort of doing some, demonstrating his captain qualities. But I this is possibly entirely out of date by the time I catch up on the two episodes I haven't seen. And perhaps when we crack open the monolith yeah. there will be a big twist that will change everything there forever before you stew it. Thank you so much for filling in. This has been wonderful. We're going to leave the real news segment with the news hound now. We're going to come back for reality check and we're going to open the monolith.
am disgusted at how much you have copied my husband. <laughs> we are back in the studio with our mystery monolith. We're about to crack it open and reveal what or who is inside. The monolith is open. Who is inside? Hello, it's me, Cam Mansell. <laughs> what? No one saw that coming. Ethan, did you see that coming? No. It's taking me by surprise. <laughs> <laughs> Almost as surprising as the giant monolith in the studio. Who put that there? Amazing. Thank you so much for being here, Cam. Thanks so much for having me. How was it inside the monolith? Was it okay? Inside the monolith was quite dark, uh, <laughs> but you guys did give me some water, so I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> You're more than welcome. We've actually, I've noticed you've got a little Love Island bottle there. Yes. You're a big reality fan, aren't you? I am. <laughs> and this is partially, not just that you are a current celebrity on Celebrity Treasure Island. It's obviously a huge draw card, but you are in the Real Pod Discord. I don't know what Discord means. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you're not in the real pod Discord. Yes, I am. <laughs> no, no, I am. I am. I just forgot what it was. Okay. It's like what's Discord, and then I remembered. Yes. Because I'm not even in the real pod Discord. Are you not? No. Oh my gosh, it's so fun. <laughs> I love seeing what everybody has to say about the show. It's so interesting, and people are like, "That was a stupid decision. What are you doing?" And I'm like, "I know. Watching it back now, I totally agree with you." <laughs> what was I doing? So were you a listener of, the, of this podcast? How did you find out about it? One of the producers told me about the Discord and was like, you've got to check this out. I'm so interested. And then I was like, wow, this is crazy. It's like a whole world. Yeah. Are you there under your real name or do you have a... Just under my real name. No it's worries. Just like, I, I, I'm not going to hide. I love that. We love it when a celebrity becomes a corny. Do you know what a corny is? I do know about the corn emojis. If you drop something like good or funny, people give you a corn. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Why a corn? Because well, it's corn. It's corn. They actually stole that from us. You know, the corn went viral long after the Real Pod kind of supported corn on the internet. Because we have a Facebook page called the Real Pod Corner. Ah. And the people who live on that page are called Cornies. Love it. <laughs> and so now the corn has kind of become our emblem. I didn't realize that it meant porn on TikTok. Oh. <laughs> did you know that? I did. Yeah. <laughs> there's a lot to there's a lot to learn about, but it's so good to have you here. I just feel like you are you're you're the perfect celebrity to come on this podcast. Well, also, because this week you have stepped into your potency. Ooh. You're the Kaihotu, well, for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> for a brief minute, which is probably for the better because clearly my decision making hasn't been great up until this point. <laughs> But that's okay. But it really felt like you started playing the game. And it seemed to kind of almost frighten you. <laughs> like <laughs> It really did. <laughs> yeah. I was terrified. I think when you watch the show, and I watched previous seasons, and I'd always be yelling at the TV being like, you're so stupid, what are you doing? But when you're in the moment, you have to remember you only see what you see. Mm. So there's a whole lot going on that you see on the TV show, but in... In actuality, when you're there on the island, you don't see it. You don't know what's going on. We had no idea what was going on in the other camp. That's crazy. Which is so weird. And you don't know what anyone's saying to the cameras, right, in no. their own time. Yeah, because you go off and you do these, like, secret interviews. They're not secret. Everyone knows you're doing them. But you never find out what people are saying. It's shocking. Until you see it on TV. <laughs> I would also like to say for the people at home who cannot see Cam right now, you look so different. <laughs> <laughs> you look so clean. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my goodness. 
the amount of dirt. I don't think I've ever been exposed to that amount of dirt ever. Mm. And it was quite a long time, like day 17, day 18 we're up to now, and it's like, it's been a long time. And at a point, do you just like embrace the grub? 100%. We were lucky in our camp we did have a shower. The other camp didn't have a shower, so they'd just be swimming in the ocean to try and get clean. But you know when you get out of the sea and you're just all salty and yuck? Yeah. They were experiencing that every day. And you're just that forever. Yeah. But some people pay good money for that, you know? (laughs) (laughs) True. (laughs) Like, I I couldn't help but think, like, this is outward bound. And I feel like a lot of the um, personal revelations and the personal growth is very outward bound that you're seeing. 100%. (laughs) It's exactly that. But I feel like outward bound is a week or two weeks, maybe. This is true. This is a little longer. Well, depending on how long you last. True. So we're here. It's week six, day... Oh, goodness me, 16, 17. Did you think you'd be here? Absolutely not. <laughs> no way. When I made it through the first day, I was like, oh, okay. I just didn't want to be the first person eliminated. Mm. And I was like, okay, I have done that. And then the rest of it, I was just like, wow, okay. Yeah. Get comfy. Over halfway now. Over halfway. Craziness. And you were the captain at the start of this week. Kaihotu, you had the Rako Korero, and you were getting pulled in many different directions <laughs> from people with many different schemes. You described yourself as a pushover, which I also, this is another reason why I like you, <laughs> is I feel like you're very honest and you're very, like, relatable <laughs> on that show because I feel like it would be very confusing when you've got Dame Susan and Melody and all these different people How hard is it to make decisions when you're in that position? Honestly, so hard. And for every decision that was made on screen, you probably see about 30 seconds to a minute max of everything that goes into making that decision. These conversations that we're having would go on for hours. That conversation (laughs) that I had with Mel where I was like, I'm a pushover. We were there for probably like 15, 30 minutes. (laughs) Talking and, like, trying to gauge what we should do and what the different options were. Wow. It's hectic. That is hectic. <laughs> Something else happens in the kind of very start of this um, episode is we see... Now, Joel's not in your team at this point, is he? No. Joel's in the other team. But he was making rice and he was adding a lot of seasoning and sweet chilli and he ended up saying that's average as fuck. <laughs> 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 How did you cope with the, the rice and the beans? And The beans and rice were okay. mm but when you're eating them for a long period. Back in the days when I was in Team Cody, we were winning a lot of the challenges, so we were actually eating pretty well. Right. And I'd be the first person to admit it. But then as time went on, when we moved into the Kuwaka phase, uh, we definitely were not winning as many challenges, so we were eating more beans and rice because of that. And there comes a time when you can only eat so many beans and rice. Mm. And you just get sick of it, and you're like... I think there was a couple of days where I was like, I just don't feel like eating beans and rice, so I just didn't eat. Really? <laughs> Legit. Wow. Because you were loving the Tim Tams. Tim Tams. Oh. <laughs> Who doesn't love a Tim Tam? <laughs> if you don't love Tim Tams, I'm definitely judging. <laughs> I loved that quote where you are like, there's as many Tim Tams here as in a supermarket. <laughs> there were so many Tim Tams. I saw in the chat last night, someone was like, how are they still eating Tim Tams? Yeah. There's so many Tim Tams. How do they not melt? Like, did you have a Tim Tam storage facility? There was a wee chili bin for the first few days. The ice was still there. Wow. But I think there was enough insulation in the chili bin just to keep them cool enough so they didn't completely melt. Wow. Yeah. I stole a lot of Tim Tams at the party. (laughs) TVNC publicist is in the room. But 
<laughs> I just have to admit that. I have to come clean. Um, <laughs> very delicious. Um, Kuaka had a huge moment in episode 16, which gave you a huge advantage when you were able to see the team face-off challenge in the distance, thanks to a handy pair of binoculars left by art department on purpose, accidentally. What was the story there? Who knows? Who knows? It was really funny. When we first arrived in the camp, we were looking around, looking at all the props and everything that are in the camp. And then I was like, there's some binoculars. Like, are we going whale watching? Like, why are there (laughs) these binoculars? And we were all laughing at the binoculars. And then, lo and behold, the binoculars actually became very helpful. Yeah. And to be honest, at first, we didn't even know if the binoculars worked. Like, no one actually looked through them. So this was the first day when we actually could have needed a pair of binoculars. And I was like, let's look through them and just see if they work. And then they did. And they did. Yeah. And so you saw some pontoons getting set up. Did you see the boats? Jesse saw the boats. Mm. And he was like, I think this is going to be a rowing challenge. And then he was like, we all need to practice rowing. (laughs) When I was a kid, I did sea cadets, which is probably like a shock to everyone. No one would be like, oh, sea cadet. Um, So I've actually done quite a bit of practice rowing. Wow. Okay. Um, So, yeah, that was a handy little skill to have up my sleeve. And Jesse obviously has grown up around boats and done a lot of boating. So he kind of showed everyone what to do and... We were good to go. Because that challenge famously, I think, last season, it seems to make people go a bit crazy. Like, I remember Chris Parker kind of just, like, absolutely <laughs> lost it in that boat, being like, hurry up, everybody. Um, so they were going like around in circles or, like, ended up real far off course as well. Eh? That's right, yeah. yeah. And everyone was so just funny. screaming. So I feel like having even just that moment of, like, this is what we're doing, yeah. be prepared, versus... Poor Mangor, who arrived. Ron Crib immediately snaps that um, <laughs> that tiny oar with his big old body. <laughs> I always find it funny with him. He's like, this is not designed for me. And I'm like, yeah, but when things do work in your favor, like you have such a massive advantage, it's ridiculous. Mm. Like, for example, the I call it the reverse tug of war. Oh, was that the big The big push thing? thing? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like, dude, you're a beast. Yeah. Is when you see him in real life, is it just like wow. he's huge? Yeah, like I'm six foot, six foot one, and he's like towering above me. <laughs> I'm like, how's the weather up there? <laughs> <laughs> I loved it when he snapped the thing, and yeah, he said something like, "I'm not. Uh, this is a Hobbit world." Yeah, <laughs> <It's> like, <laughs> absolutely loved it. How hard was that challenge? How hard are the challenges? Depends on the challenge. Some of them aren't as hard as they look. Some of them don't look that hard, but they're a lot harder than they seem. That challenge for me was pretty easy. Um, Yeah, rowing, love, love boating. Sea cadets. Sea cadets, (laughs) shout out. Um, (laughs) So, yeah, I enjoyed that one. I think we definitely had an advantage, though, and I'll be the first person to admit it. We kind of anticipated what we would have to do, and then, yeah. Mm. Use that to our advantage. Are you in, like, physical pain at this point just existing on the island? Or is it okay? How are you feeling internally? Internally, okay. Yeah. Um, I think at this point it's, like, haven't spoken to anybody from the outside world at all. Like, everyone thinks, oh, you get your phone for five minutes a day or something, but genuinely you do not. Mm. So, yeah, I was at a stage where I was just like, I wonder what is happening on the outside world. Like, is everyone in my family all good? At the time, COVID was quite a big thing. Yeah. So not being able to talk to people and not really knowing. Like, we didn't even know the COVID numbers each day. Mm. We were just completely shut off. We knew it was bad, but we didn't know what was going on. And you're quite an online guy, aren't you? (laughs) How did it feel to be 
away from your phone. This was so one long. thing. Like when I spoke to my best friend and said that I was going away for a while, obviously couldn't say what I was doing, but I was like, I'm going to have no access to a phone. So if you don't hear from me, I'm all good, but I'll message you when I can kind of thing. She was like, how are you going to handle not having a phone? And I kind of thought the same thing. But then in the moment, I actually thrived not having a phone. Mm. Interesting. And it's kind of changed my phone usage now. Wow. Like I used to be on my phone literally 24-7, whereas now I'm like, eh, it's kind of annoying. Yeah. Well, again, this is something that people pay good money for. People pay thousands of dollars to go to phone-free retreats, right? <laughs> I haven't ever, but maybe they do. <laughs> they really, really do. Um, there was a little, you wouldn't have seen this in the moment, but there was quite an emotional uh, bit with TK um, privately reading a letter from his wife. Um, weird paper. Can I just say, what was that written on? <laughs> I feel like it was either a page that had been ripped out of one of the pilot's logbooks. Oh. It was either that How or... How did his wife write on that then? I think... Was it trans? Was it like dictated? I think <laughs> what happened was um, she may, might have sent like a text or an email uh. and then one of the producers would have written it for him because can't have a phone on the TV show. Can't have a phone on the TV show. Yeah. And don't have mail on the island. Yeah. <laughs> Famously. <laughs> Interesting. Well, this is just some of the inside gossip you're getting on this podcast, can I just say. We had the team boat face off. Chris Parker's here. Another big box reveal. <laughs> I feel like this is a running theme of big yeah. boxes. <laughs> it's just like an unboxing YouTube channel. <laughs> Honestly, these videos will go crazy on TikTok. <laughs> um, were you expecting there to be a person inside that big red box? Absolutely not. So what was your reaction when Chris Parker jumped out? When Chris Parker jumped out, I was like, wait, is this a joke? Like, I don't know what is going on. And at first we didn't know why he was here. Mm. He just jumped out of the box. The first thing I thought was like, is he going to be joining one of the teams? And I was like, we've been losing heaps, so maybe he'll be joining our team. True. And then I was like, this is bad because he won last season. Is he going to win again? <laughs> um, and then they explained what the prize was, and I was like, oh, that makes a lot more sense. Roughly how long was he inside that box for? Quite a while. Because, <laughs> yeah, I would say... Maybe like 30 to 40 minutes. Wow. That's dedication. Yeah. That's a pro. I did check. Yeah, there was air holes for okay. him. Okay. So, I mean, as as good as a box can be, that probably was a good box to be in. Yeah. And it was huge. Okay. He's a big guy. He's Again. a big guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the prize for the boat challenge was a kind of smoothie date with Chris yep. Parker. Um, you guys won, right? Yeah. You won because you had, you had practice. You had an advantage. Um, you didn't break any oars. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Ron. <laughs> I loved the smoothie reward setup. I have to say, Chris just like losing his mind on that janky yeah. <laughs> Nutribullet. <laughs> what was that all about? <laughs> the funniest thing about that, because obviously there's no electricity, they had to bring down a generator <laughs> so they could power the smoothie machine. That's so funny. So extra, but I was just like, this is hilarious. Did you get to indulge in a smoothie? Yourself? I did. I did. How was um, that? It was good. And I feel like a lot of the prizes up until this point had been like sweet treats or kind of like junk food. So it was quite nice to have something that was like nutritious. Yeah. But also delicious. Mm. It sounds like kind of fruit and salads and stuff is what people are really starting to... Crave. Want to get stuck into. Yeah. Uh, what did you have in your smoothie? I had some mixed berries, a banana, some protein powder, a bit of ice, and I think maybe some orange juice. 
And this was handmade by Chris Parker? Yeah. That's rare. That's amazing. <laughs> and so did we see you? You got a chat with Chris, didn't you? Yeah. Privately. And that's where he told you to treat it like a board game, yeah. right? He's like, it's like a game of Monopoly. Yeah. And that did that se- that seemed to kind of change things for you a little bit. Yeah. It was a light bulb moment because up until this point, I didn't want to make any enemies and I was really trying to keep everyone happy, hence being a pushover <laughs> in multiple situations. Um so that to me was just like, you know, it, at, at the end of the day, it is a game. Obviously, there are people playing and you don't want to be mean for the sake of being mean or whatever, but it is a game. And the idea is you want to win the money for your charity. So mm. stop being weak. <laughs> <laughs> be like, Ron. <laughs> ah. <laughs> How are you in a game of Monopoly? Oh, I'm real bad at losing. (laughs) Like if my parents or sister listened to this podcast, they'd be like, he's terrible unless he's winning. I'm winning, it's all good. When I was a kid, I used to like throw the game across the room if I lost. (laughs) Like not good with board games. Give me a game of Articulate though. Love it. Love Articulate. This is interesting. So this could be, is this like a teaser about how you're about to turn in the game? (laughs) I think I've mellowed out a little bit Okay. in my old age, um, which is probably for the better, especially in this scenario. Um, But yeah, yeah, definitely mellowed out. Probably not quite as competitive as I used to be. Mm. I did also think about another board game this week that I think CTI borrowed heavily from Cranium. <laughs> a lot of um, sculpturae, yes. the Play-Doh at the Charity Challenge, charades, impressions. It was all there. Yeah. <laughs> it's like one big game of Cranium, but life-sized. <laughs> exactly. Or hobbit-sized if you're wrong crib. <laughs> um, then we had the Elimination Challenge. This was, oh, the classic Survivor Challenge where you have to drop the balls and they go through the thing and then you add more. Obviously, you were not involved, but this was, you had to put up. Mel and TK. Mel and TK. What a big move from you. (laughs) That was probably my first power play. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, ooh, I'm going to embrace this. Um, Yeah, that was hectic. I saw both of them as massive threats. And, like, I obviously did not want Mel to go home, but I knew we needed a strong player to wipe out TK. Mm. Um, So that was kind of my mentality behind this decision. And it's funny, people on the Discord are like, you know, at this point in the game, you should be not putting up your strong players and using your strong players to wipe out the weaker players. It makes sense, but at the same time, you don't want to get to the final six or however many and have some of the strongest players in the game still there. Mm. So Mm. it's really... You're thinking it's a juggle. Term. Yeah. You're thinking Lambton Key, the the big money, <laughs> the big money properties at the end. Pasco collect two hundred dollars. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That challenge, um, very much a mental game. I feel like they're both very strong mentally. TK seems to be able to travel to a different plane of existence. Yeah. <laughs> quite a lot of the time. I don't know how he does that or what he's doing, what world he's in, but yeah. Somehow he just escapes his reality and is, like, talking to his wife, yeah. which is amazing. Like, that, that's such a wild skill to have. Mm. Mel was so focused from the get-go. It was just, like, focus, counting the seconds from when the ball would, like, drop in to how long it would come out. I never would have thought to do that mm. if I was doing this challenge. Yeah. It was insane. 
When you're watching from the stands, do you like, are you able to see it all and see what's going on? Like, is it easier to watch on TV than be there or what's the situation? I definitely think it is easier to watch on TV. You're a lot closer. Everything's obviously high definition. Um, When you're there, the balls are quite small, so it's kind of hard to see where they are in the track. Yeah. Um, But yeah, definitely easier to watch on TV, I would say. And with a challenge like that, it's just all of a sudden something. You you don't know who's kind of in the lead or, or whatever. It's just one mistake. Yeah. And you're out. And TK just made a mistake. Dropped the ball, literally. Dropped the ball. And you took out a titan of the game with that decision. Were you like, whoa? I was like, that paid off, thank goodness. <laughs> because the last time I tried to do a power play did not work in my favor at all. Remind me. Dylan. Ah. This is TK. And I was like, for sure, this is Dylan's challenge. He's going to win. And then he didn't. And I was just like, oh, no, what have I done? We love Dylan. Love Dylan. Yeah. I love Dylan. Okay, good. And I still feel guilty about it to this day. (laughs) The weirdest situation, like this was filmed in kind of February, March, and you kind of think you've moved on from it, but then you watch the show back and it just brings up all these emotions. Mm. And like, it's, yeah, you have to relive it all again. Yeah. Are you still in touch with with everybody? Not Ooh. everyone, Ooh. but most people. Who's on the who's on the shit list? <laughs> Literally no one's on the shit list. I think like <laughs> in any situation in life, there's going to be people that you gravitate towards and they gravitate towards you and then there might be people you gravitate towards but they don't gravitate towards you and there are some people that are just probably not my people. And it's mm. nothing personal, it's just, you know, I wouldn't talk to them well, not that I wouldn't talk to them, but, like, our paths probably wouldn't have crossed in the real world. Mm. We were on this TV show and probably may never see them again. I don't know. Interesting. <laughs> Diplomatic. Um, someone you did cross paths with in a major way, Dame Susan DeVoy doing the splits. <laughs> yes. Oh, my goodness. I did not know what was going on in that moment. I was just like, is this real life? Like... We were all just joking around doing these funny dances and then she just like, fully jumps and then drops into the split. I was like, are you all good? <laughs> <laughs> you described it as the greatest thing you've ever seen. I stand by that. Yeah, that's, <laughs> It's like every episode I'm like, Dame Susan must be done surprising us. Surely she's got nothing left in, her, in the tank. And then she does the splits or she like talks about a peep show or she just does something absolutely bonkers. She's full of surprises <laughs> and you just never know where she's going to go. She starts talking and you're like, you have to pay attention to every single word. Right. Because there's these little nuggets of gold that she drops in and you just never know when they're going to happen. Was she, what was it like being at camp with her all the time? Like, was it just so exciting? She had, like, taken me under her wing, essentially. Mm. Um, So she was super great towards me. I know there are other contestants that maybe didn't have such a great time sharing the camp with her. But from my perspective, I absolutely love her. Still keep in touch with her. We still text each other. She's like, when you come back to Tauranga, let me know. I've got to go for a coffee. (laughs) Like, genuinely love her. She's the best. She's just... I mean, there's many breakout stars, which is weird to say because you're all celebrities and she's a dame. And I don't know <laughs> if a dame can, like, break out anymore. Well, she can break out in hives, as <laughs> we said. It did happen. <laughs> but, yeah, it's just, it's an endless thrill. Even, like, Shimpal, I feel like, you know, rest in peace this week, he's mm. gone. But he just constantly reveals these, like, funny little moments. And I think that you referred to him 
being kind of this oddball around camp. <laughs> he was just always on his own vibe. Like, he'd wake up in the morning, go for a walk, go sit on a rock, go look out at the ocean for a while, and then he'd be like, okay, breakfast time. Then he'd come back, and he'd be having a snack, and then he'd go off and do a little workout, and then he'd come back, have another snack. <laughs> he was just so chill. Yeah. Nothing ever phased him. He was just happy to be there and just brought the best energy to the camp. Mm. Loved him. Absolutely loved him. Also, can we discuss the mouse in his bed? Yes. Yeah, so I'm still triggered by that. Because we've talked about this on the podcast, that it really there is a man versus wild element to this show. There is nature encroaching on your space. And so Shim murdered a mouse? In his sleep. <laughs> <laughs> this was the man weirdest thing. Manslaughter, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> Accidental killing. Mouse slaughter. Mouse slaughter. It was honestly so weird. Like, we'd all woken up. I think it was a super windy night that night, so no one had really had a very good sleep. I remember seeing the episode back, and I was just like, yep, I looked as tired as I felt. <laughs> um, but then Shim's like, oh, guys, there's a, there's a mouse in my bed. And I was like... Like, put it outside. <laughs> what are you doing? He's like, nah, it's dead. We were all like, what do you mean there's a dead mouse in your bed? And he's like, come have a look. And there's like this <laughs> defigured mouse like lying on top of his sleeping bag. And I was just like, oh, man. Oh, my god. I feel for you. Did you do a burial? Um, <laughs> I think at this point I was still in bed because I was so tired. <laughs> so I did not get involved with a burial for that one. I think maybe Shim... Did the burial? Said a few words. Yeah. There was also a dead possum. Yes. Was that your camp as well? Yes. Something suspicious is going on. <laughs> suspicious. <laughs> yeah, no, the possums, uh, we wanted to send them a message. Obviously, they're not great for our native trees in Aotearoa. And we were like, if we can get rid of one, we're doing our part for the land. Wow. Um, so, yeah. Are you telling me that somebody, I'm doing an axe? Couple of knocks to the head. <laughs> R.I.P. Possum. Sle- I didn't realize Sleep was... deprivation Sally. <laughs> Such a strong uh, conservationist message. Oh, 100%. <laughs> on the <this> show. <laughs> wow. Where are we in the show? Let me check my doc. Okay. Oh, we, we haven't talked about charity challenges yet. Were you involved in the bush golf? That was yes. you, wasn't it? Um, yeah. Little mini golf moment. Now, how do you feel about the charity challenges? Are they like something you look forward to in the day? To be honest, they're the most fun. Yeah. Um... I know that for people watching at home, it's not necessarily the most exciting part of the show. Um, Yeah, a lot of people are like, the charity challenges are boring. Don't do them. Um, But no, it is good. It's also an opportunity to win money for the charity, which is the reason why we're there doing the show. Mm -hmm. Um, So yeah, I enjoy the charity challenges. Sometimes I do also get a little bit bored watching them back, (laughs) if I'm being 100% honest. Um, But, yeah, no, they're they're definitely the most fun. Mm. I guess in the scheme of things, they're quite low stakes as well. No one's going to be going home or losing out on delicious Tim Tams or anything. Mm, Tim Tams. (laughs) (laughs) Um, There was some more strategy chat. The Siblings Alliance brought in a weird uncle. Uncle Joel. (laughs) It's so funny. I watch the show with my friends and they're like, you're so mean to Joel. Like, why did you not try and align with him? And I'm like, let's go back to episode one when we had that awkward as hell conversation. Ah, was that when he's like, have you ever thought about going to space? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) That whole thing. And like, to be honest, every interaction with Joel since then was quite awkward. And then he moved 
teams, so I wasn't spending that much time with him. So I didn't really have an opportunity to become like proper friends with him mm-hmm. yet. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, but love Joel. Yeah, great guy. Definitely a powerhouse in more ways than one. He's physically strong and also obviously mentally very strong. Yeah. And he's the weird uncle. He's the weird uncle. Of the siblings alliance. Which remind me is you, Siobhan, Elvis. Elvis. And now Joel. And Joel, uh, Joel the weird uncle. Elvis, Elvis is smart, isn't he? Elvis is doing things this week. I feel like we really got to see the mask that he puts on and then the deep strategy beneath it all. Yeah. These people have layers. Layers. Did you know Elvis? Yeah, completely. (laughs) Did you know that Elvis was, is layered? 100%. 100%. From, this, from the get-go? Yeah. Yeah. When we were in Cody, we kind of, I think our beds were next to each other. So we spent a lot of time chatting and um, talking strategy. And the thing that I find weird about this season is the strategy gameplay came in so early on. Mm. I feel like last season it was a little later, whereas this time it was kind of like, boom, you have these characters like Courtney who's just like, I am here to win this and I've got to do everything in my power to make that happen. Um Alvis is friends with Lance Savali from last season, so I think maybe heard a couple of strategy things that could help him. And yeah, from the get-go, it was kind of just like straight into it. It's also interesting this season, I feel like, probably to your point, people are just talking about alliances in the open and sharing like, <laughs> what's your alliance today? Yeah. <laughs> in this weird kind of like open source material sharing way. <laughs> There's so many alliances as well. Like it's mm. impossible to keep up with all the alliances that are going on. And they're all changing so fast. All of the time. Yeah. All of the time. And so, but the sibling alliance is still strong at this point. Gaining members. The family's growing. Um, we go to a team face-off. This was the one that I thought was quite cranium derivative as well, the memorize animals and act them out. I actually loved watching this. I thought this was very funny, seeing the theatrics of, like, um, Ron doing (laughs) the crab, like his massive body. (laughs) Definitely a fun challenge. Yeah. Definitely not great for my team. No. But that's okay. Some of your guesses, is it a lizard? Is it a pterodactyl? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. (laughs) The yeah. worst part of that for me was trying to remember the animals in the right order. Right. You're a bit hungry. Mm-hmm. You're a bit tired. You haven't had to really remember too much other than your alliances up until this point. Right, true. Um, so, yeah, I guess for me, anyway, my brain definitely was not firing properly. Mm. And I had to keep running back and looking at the order of them. But I'd have a look and then I'd get back and I'd be like, oh, I can't remember what it was yeah (laughs) and you'd be like trying to remember like going through your head and also it's kind of high pressure at this point mongol was kind of winning the challenge and you're like i don't want them to win Mm. so because your captaincy was up for grabs right yeah you had a lot to hold on to and unfortunately you had to give it away (laughs) that i did and then watching it back i was like did the team just want to change captains Mm. Conspiracy. conspiracy do you think someone threw it I genuinely have no idea, and I don't believe anyone on the team would throw it. Mm. But you just never know. I did know. think Jesse Chook could have done a better bat. I was like, come on. He just went upside down like that. I was like, do the wings and the fangs. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to seed any suspicion in your mind. <laughs> so Mungo got the, the, pie, the pie prize as well. Um, 
You must have been quite jealous of that, I imagine. I'm not a massive <gasps> pie eater. Really? Yeah. Even in a desperate situation? I mean, it would have been nice to have a pie, but I feel like the the prizes that are the ones you really want to win are the things like a little bit of everything where it's like, well, maybe not necessarily a little bit of everything because it was like one apple and one glass of Coke to share <laughs> with everyone. Um, but the ones that you really want to win are when it's like sauces because you can put the sauce on the rice and beans and just give it a bit of flavour. Right, right. Not just the one and done. One and done situation. <laughs> um, there was also a lot more strategy chat here because obviously you had lost the leadership. I loved how Siobhan was like, I can do captaining if you want. <laughs> <laughs> People kind of pushing themselves forward. Jesse eventually steps up. Mm-hmm. Which I was kind of like... You were the captain five minutes ago, mm-hmm. wasn't he? Isn't that a bit unfair? I don't know. I would totally agree with that. <laughs> and also watching the show now, knowing his situation with the monolith, would we put him in that position now? Right. Probably not. But obviously we had no idea what actually happened with the monolith. That's right. Of course. So yeah. at this point, you think what about what happened to Jesse? He had this weird Harry Potter philosopher's stone kind of yarn. Yeah. What was your understanding of what happened with the monolith? My understanding of what happened with the monolith was that he saw the final three challenges and he told us that he had a piece of information that without that piece of information you wouldn't be able to complete those last challenges. Right. So that's basically just safeguarding him from elimination and every, well, I'm gullible so probably believed his story. (laughs) <laughs> I don't think Mel, from watching the show, I don't think Mel was believing what he was saying. Mm. Um, but yeah, that's what I thought was going on. Obviously, very different scenario in reality. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But he makes it back to the captaincy. Yeah. Um, you mentioned that sometimes strategy chat is like high school popularity contest and it's awkward. 100%. <laughs> and at this point, like, I'm feeling bad for Mel because... I think early on in the game, she was trying to make an alliance, and then when she was outed by Mike King... That's right. I think a lot of people were kind of, like, nervous to really align with her and maybe potentially didn't trust her as much as they should have or could have. Mm. Um, So, yeah, I feel at this point, especially watching it back, I'm feeling for her at the moment. And she also reveals she has this quite emotional interview privately where she talks about feeling alone and missing her husband and stuff. And I was just like, oh. I'm not going to lie. I had a cry watching that. Yeah. And I was like, I didn't know that was even going on. Wow. So it was that was all pent up inside. Yeah. Amazing. Did you have moments like that? 100%. Because I feel like we haven't seen you have a good cry yet. <laughs> oh, you will. <laughs> you <Great>. really will. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler. <laughs> um, so Jesse, Jesse's now the captain, steps up. We've got the captain's test, balancing those little weights on a board. Would you have wanted to do this? Mm, I'm terrible with balance, so mm. probably not. And it was a bit of bluffing as well, wasn't it? Yeah. it was about who had the most or something. And was... Courtney was quite clever because she was dropping the little... Um, discs on the table so it sounded like her whole thing was collapsing but it wasn't. Courtney's so clever. She is sneaky. She could do if she wasn't a successful Shortland Street actress like an Ocean's 8 style heist 
easily. Easily. And no one would even know. Like, yeah. <laughs> Korea She's a criminal. woman of many talents. <laughs> <laughs> so she wins. She gets the right to, um, she gives a person an extra day and she decides to save Mel. Controversial. <laughs> Did you say quantroversial? I said quantroversial. quantroversial. You know about that cocktail? It's Quantro cocktail. <laughs> ah, I haven't heard of this, but I love it. Um, was this a shock to you in the bleachers? Not really, because there's always kind of been this overarching theme of a female alliance. And at this point in the game, I think both Karen and Perlina in Courtney's team, probably not the strongest players, no disrespect to them, but probably not the strongest players. And then um, you've got Mel on our side, who's an absolute powerhouse mm-hmm. and could definitely easily win this entire competition. So Courtney wanting to protect her probably comes from that. And also I had just put Mel up for elimination. So Courtney wants to give her an extra day. Not that I was trying to eliminate Mel by any means, yeah. Um, but just to give her an extra day, I mm. think. To me, it made sense anyway. Some people seem shocked by it. Um, at what point, have we got to the point where Elvis mutters about the mercy card? Have I missed that? Because there's, there's like, a, sometimes the show does things in flashbacks, which I love. Yeah. It's kind of clever reveal that things have happened that you didn't know about. So after, maybe it was after the boat? Was it after the boat challenge? It was remember. after the, um, the charades. Oh, that's right. And he sort of just mutters, Yeah. Courtney's got a messy card. Yeah. Did you, like, when that kind of happens in those moments of chaos where there's whispering and stuff, do you, like, know what's going on? Are you like, yeah. Absolutely cool. not. <laughs> I had to go back to Siobhan and, like, try and remember what he'd told me. And I was like, I genuinely have no idea. Yeah. Like, it all happens so quickly. <laughs> And I was just like, that was a vital piece of information that I needed to remember. Mm. As I said, at this point in the game, my brain's just not not all there. <laughs> like, it's genuinely not. Um, and I was like, there was something about a card. I, I can't remember anything about the card, but I think I think he said Joel's in our alliance now. And, yeah. And Siobhan's got a target, which came out of nowhere, seemingly, that information. I don't know what that's all about. The whole target Is thing. Is Elvis? Like, Elvis definitely told her she had a target, but I'm like, who has the target on her back? Maybe Courtney? Hmm. Hasn't really been explained yet, but maybe yeah. there'll be a, another flashback. I hope so. Maybe Elvis is stirring the pot. He could be. Um, what happened next? Everyone's confused. Start of episode 18, even Bree's confused. She says, I was supposed to know everything about this game. Karen liked the decision. She said it sent a good, clear message. Karen's obviously very for the Women's Alliance. Um, back at camp, more confusion. You were talking about um, having a fear of Mel. Mm. <laughs> that nobody's going to be able to take her out now. She's got one more day, and a lot can happen in a day, as we've Very seen. true. Um, and everyone's mocking Joel, because he's very sleepy, weird uncle. <laughs> in this moment, he's like... Uncle Joel, wake up. <laughs> it's like, who's a wiggle? Jeff? <laughs> wake up, Jeff. Oh, my goodness. So good. <laughs> and everyone's kind of doing impressions of Joel <laughs> while he sleeps. The man can sleep. The man can that's, sleep. So that's true. That's representative. He's yeah. out like a light. Out like a light. I have no idea how anybody can be so good at sleeping, but maybe when your brain operates on that high level, mm. 
you can also learn to turn your brain off. I don't know. <laughs> My brain's just always like me, not doing anything that's like that helpful. Right. But it's always just like whirring away in the background. Yeah, Joel's probably just doing equations in his dreams or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's figuring out pi. <laughs> there was a quite good moment, um, quite a tense moment, but an interesting moment where. Um, Courtney and Elvis were doing some funny thing where they go, stupid little girls, or something like that, and Karen oh, called them yeah. out on it. And she said, you know, why don't we say stupid little boys? All language means something. And again, it was this kind of like, I feel like the show does this very well, where suddenly you're like, oh, my God, we're having a bigger conversation here. Yeah. But it also felt real awkward. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I think it was a little awkward in that situation. Um, I know from... You can kind of also see it from both perspectives. Like, mm. Elvis isn't saying stupid, silly girls as in, like, girls are stupid and silly. It's just, like, this funny little saying that he says. And then Karen, on the other hand, is a feminist. Mm-hmm. And so she is, like, that's, you know, derogatory towards females. So why are you saying that? And then, yeah. So I can see it from both perspectives. Mm. Um And it's an important conversation to have. And that's one thing that I will say about Karen. She is so intelligent and starts so many conversations that are super important. Like she had my back a couple of episodes ago when they were talking about the potential of me becoming Kaihotu. And Ron was like, oh, he's just like such a pushover, which I confirmed (laughs) I am. Um, But then Karen was just like, why don't we give him a chance? Like, Mm. why are you knocking him down? Just let's wait and see what happens. Mm. You have no idea. That's awesome. Which is Actually, yeah, important. Karen, um, when I spoke to her before she went into the game, she almost said that was like her mandate going in. And she's like, I want to have these conversations because I see this as like an important platform. Totally. And it's like, yeah, maybe that means you're like a buzzkill <laughs> sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> maybe verging on buzzkill a little bit. Um, and, you know, uh, Thoughts and prayers to anyone who calls Karen a Karen, because that's not what you do. <laughs> no. <laughs> but I thought it was really cool that she's really stuck to that throughout. Um, 100%. Because it's very easy to let those little things go and just not say anything. Yeah. Um, we got some more yarns about high school, um, high school experiences. Another just bizarre yarn from Dame Susan about encountering various flashes, by the sounds of things, in the forest. You guys just must share so much about, like, you must know these people so intimately. The funniest thing is 90% of these conversations are all recorded somewhere. Yeah. Because we've got our microphones on. They take them off before we go to bed. Um, But we've got our microphones on pretty much all day. And some of the stories, I tell you what, (laughs) would definitely never repeat. Yeah. But it was such an incredible time because you don't have your phone. You're just there on this island with these people who you barely know. And there's a lot to get to know of these people because they're all such big personalities and have all had such interesting lives. Mm. And, yeah, we we used to just have the most wild chats. And they're all in a monolith somewhere in at Warner Brothers. Somewhere at Warner Brothers. <laughs> On a drive. Yeah. <laughs> Does that worry you? <laughs> um, a little bit. Nah, I'm sure it'll be fine. <laughs> um, we had another charity challenge. This was another Cranium Sculptor Aids. Sculpting yes. animals. It was a real animal kind of a week. Um, you went in there. This was was this the other team? Or was yeah, this, this was Mangal. 
This was Mangal. Oh, yeah, and Elvis struggled. He couldn't guess the skull yeah. after, like, ten minutes of Ron <laughs> holding this head in his face. Absolutely loved it. Poor Elvis. <laughs> um, oh, yes, I wrote down your response when he said, um, we've got a mercy card, blah, 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 drop laws information, and you just went, sweet, cool. <laughs> and I was like, this man has no idea. <laughs> I was like, I don't know what this means. Like, I was like, mercy card, what even is that? Yeah, that's what I thought. It was like genuinely even when everyone started talking about monolith, I was like, I don't think I really understand the concept. Neither. I don't if someone said mercy to me, I'd be like, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> I would just think of is it Amy Winehouse? Oh, um No. Duffy. 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 Yeah. That's really bad that I Mess that up. <laughs> Who works in I'll music show radio? myself to the door right now. <laughs> um, it's at this point that Dame Susan breaks out in vicious hives. Yes. Because <laughs> she says she's allergic to liars. <laughs> oh my gosh. She is so funny and it was just so relevant because there was so much lying going on and then she's just like, I've got hives all over my face. Yeah. <laughs> I'm allergic to bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> and she does this whole kind of comedy run of hiding her face behind pants and it genuinely looks like Jesse Chook is going to die. <laughs> like, I was worried. <laughs> I thought he was going to wet his pants. Like I genuinely did at one point think, oh, maybe he's wet his pants. <laughs> I did wonder if, um, I noticed this week that Dame Sue's really started getting stuck into the zinc mm. in a way that I haven't seen in previous weeks and perhaps that was like a reaction because Jesse's a big zinc guy. Loves the zinc. You never seem to pick up the zinc. No. Um, I don't know why I never picked up the zinc. It Were you not like worried a... about the sun damage? I was. I was definitely using a lot of sunscreen. That's good. Um, but... I can show you a photo of what my face looked like after getting off the island, and wow. Okay. <laughs> the sun damage is real. <laughs> can you please put that in the Discord? Sure. Yes. <laughs> Winning. <laughs> um, what happens next? Oh, this is when, and then you go high-level Monopoly again, and you, like, want to shake out the Mercy card by putting Karen up and... Karen will go home and then someone will play the music out on Karen and that means you can get rid of Mel. And I was just like, you are in the zone. <laughs> you are in the zone right now. And I wrote in capital letters, the man has stepped into his potency. <laughs> <laughs> so you've clearly at this point you understand what a mercy card is. Yes. You've had some time. <laughs> yeah. Somebody has explained it to me and I figured it out, which is great. Uh, helps the game along. Um, yeah. It's so weird. I don't know where these game plays come from. Mm. I think most of my game plays, I think about it about 2 a.m., lying in my bed, probably not sleeping, thinking, oh, I should go to sleep, but let me just make this little plan and then we'll figure it out. Mm. And then you just, like, bank it. Bank it, save it for tomorrow. Squash a mouse, go to sleep. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> legit. Kill your daily mouse. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and then we had the team face-off where you got the little bit of everything reward. Which was stink prize, mm. capsicum, cola. I do know the backstory behind this prize, and there was a bit of a miscommunication. Okay. So this prize was actually Bree's idea, but when she said a little bit of everything, she was like, oh, "Like, so it's enough for everyone, but like a a little bit of like flour, a little bit of well, not a little bit of biscuits, but a few biscuits, a few pieces of fruit." So, like, a little bit of everything. Yeah. Whereas the person who was in charge of going to purchase said prize, 
unfortunately, thought it was just like a little bit of coffee, a little bit of Coca-Cola, a little bit of whatever it was. Oh, no. And because you're so remote, it can be very hard to fix those mistakes. So it just ended up being half a potato. (laughs) Half a cucumber. Half a cucumber. (laughs) And you basically had to drown for this prize by the looks of things, Mm -hmm. unless you were Ron Cribb. (laughs) 100%. I literally thought I was going to die. Mm. So what was the challenge? You had to shoot hoops at sea, basically. (laughs) Swim out. There's a pontoon. There's a hoop on top of the pontoon, and you've got to shoot balls. Not basketballs. If it was basketballs, it would have been a lot easier. These balls bounce like nothing else. Mm. And also it's quite windy. They blow around. It was hectic. Did you ever... I noticed also you were wearing goggles. Yes. What's the story there? Uh, Basically, I've grown up mostly going to lakes. So anytime I'm in the salt water, my eyes really hurt. And so I was like, I'm just going to wear goggles anytime I have to go in the water. And then hopefully it will save my vision, ah. and then I'm good to go. I hate to interrogate <laughs> you here. Please do. You were a sea cadet. Yes. How do these two things marry up? <laughs> sea cadets is like sailing and rowing. So you weren't in the in the drink. Not as it in were. the drink. No, <laughs> no, not in the drink for that. Um, but I also did swimming when I was a kid. Ah, okay. But that was in a pool. Right. With goggles on. With goggles on <laughs> for, the, for the chlorine. Yeah. Where did you grow up? Tauranga. Uh, okay. Lakeside childhood. <laughs> the more you know. The more you know, <laughs> the better you feel. <laughs> there was a bit of confusion after the challenge about um, there was a clue in the sand or was there that Ron had left for Mel? I'm still confused by this now. <laughs> yeah. Because obviously I didn't see any of this happen when I was on the island, so did not see it. But Did you think it was shady when Mel was like, hey, guys, so I'm just going to go back and get uh, some stuff that I left? The funniest thing was we walked together to the challenge, and I was like, I'm pretty sure you're holding what you bought with you. Ah. So I was kind of like, what is she doing? But then I was just like, uh, oh, well, never mind. Yeah. Just keep walking. <laughs> But this is what you need to do if you ever play on this show. Always question the things that you are kind of questioning because nine times out of ten, your gut instinct Mm. is always right. Mm. Even when you're in a crazy state of paranoia. Yeah. (laughs) Right to be paranoid. (laughs) Um, Unfortunately, you missed your team missed out on this prize because you did not have Ron Cribb Mm. on your side and they got to enjoy half a loaf of bread, glass of cola. (laughs) The funniest thing was Elvis and Perlina sharing out the glass of cola. (laughs) (laughs) At that point, I was like, "Mm, I don't think I'm worried we didn't win that one. (laughs) (laughs) I suppose it was sort of an exercise in sharing and teamwork. Um, Meanwhile, you guys are still like enjoying pineapple. Where did that come from? That was from the smoothie day with Chris Parker. Oh, so you got to take. There was a whole bunch of fruit left over, and we got to keep them. Thank you, Chris. And thank you, Chimpal, for doing a beautiful chop job on yeah. that pineapple. And also squeezing the lemon. That was something I learned on the island. If you squeeze lemon over pineapple, it gives it a bit more of like a zesty ting. Wow. Ting? Tang? Tang. Tang. Or tang if you're like... <laughs> tang. <laughs> That'd be cool. <laughs> um, yeah, so put lemon on your pineapple. Long story short. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, El- this is where we see Elvis come undone a bit in his interview. Yes. Um, that he's feeling pretty cut up. He hates playing the game. It's not in his nature, but he's 
still doing it and he's finding it hard, but he wants to be there to inspire people. And again, we get one of these moments that's like, oh, the meaning. <laughs> the feels. Yeah. And that um, if he can do it, anyone can do it, that kind of thing. And I was like, you know what? Vulnerability is strength. 100%. And I really respect him for for opening up like that and then just going back into the game, like yeah. smile on his face. It's interesting that Courtney kind of saw that as like a bad thing almost. Yeah. His, the fact that he can kind of... Switch between the two personas almost? Yeah, that he's untrustworthy or something. Yeah. I wouldn't see that as untrustworthy personally. Mm. Um, but yeah, like from my perspective, I just think he loves to, you know, make people around him have fun. But he's also got this amazing sensitive side and I don't feel like you can be the fun, you know, make everyone have a good time person all the time. Yeah. Sometimes you're having an off day. Sometimes you've, you're stuck on an island with a bunch of celebrities and there's a lot of <laughs> gameplay going on. <laughs> totally. Um, yeah. So I fought for him in that moment. And this all feeds into Courtney's decision for the elimination challenge. Um, she was thinking about putting up Perlina suddenly had this kind of, um, uh, what's it called? She's, she's never washed a dish. She's always <laughs> sleeping, like, <laughs> this anti-Perlina brigade. But then decides to put up Elvis and Shimpal, a.k.a. the two silly men. <laughs> 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 and this challenge was quite a quick, kind of difficult to follow one as well, where there was a lot of balls <laughs> flying down a long table. <laughs> um, and, and, and it ended up Shimpal. Was knocked out. This is the weirdest thing to me. Because mm-hmm. I watched this episode last night and I was so confused. I was like, <laughs> I swear he was in the game for so much longer. And I was like, I've forgotten that like someone has a card to save him or something. But no, that's literally when he went home. Yeah. And it's so weird. Like your time gets so warped and you feel like you've spent all of this time with somebody and then it's not as much time as you thought. Mm. Anyway, um, that was super gutting. Yeah. As I said earlier, Shampala is just such a, a great energy to have around the place. Like, he's never, never once in the entire time saw him angry or upset or annoyed at anyone. He's always just chill. We could all be a bit more like Shampala, I think. 100%. <laughs> he's just the most zen person I've ever met. It always, it saddens me a bit when people get sent home on a challenge that's so, I don't know, it's almost like you want an endurance challenge every time, like you want kind of the big journey and the, the Dylan yeah. like crying, kind of hanging by two fingers on a string. Oh my God, that was so <laughs> horrible to watch. Because it's just like, it's over. Yeah. And, he, and he's gone and that's kind of it. Because I mean, it must be tenfold for you, but you really start to feel like you're like, these are my friends. <laughs> totally. 100%. And also, I feel like some of the challenges are a little more luck-orientated. Mm. Like, I'm sure there's some skill that goes into getting a ball in a hole. Yeah. But also, I feel like it was a little little bit of luck, maybe? Seemed just kind of random, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, Shim looks like he's going home. And Melody is deeply concerned. Because mm-hmm. he was her guy. And she says that signs her death warrant. And then the week ends. <laughs> well, dun, 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 dun. <laughs> we love a cliffhanger. Love a cliffhanger. Coming next week, shocking elimination battle. Something that nobody saw coming. Bodies on the line. Ooh. Alliances are tested. 
I mean, that's every week. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, sounds like another week on yeah. Celebrity Treasure Island. <laughs> um, is there anything else that you want to say about... I know that there's, there's, there's things that you can't say right now, but what can you tease for what's coming? What is coming? <laughs> I'm so like, I don't actually know. Like, the whole thing that I was just saying about Shimpal, thinking that he was here for a whole lot longer... Um, I'm just at the point in the game where I'm like, I can't remember what happens next. Mm. And that's my honest answer. I do know um, my personal journey becomes a struggle at some point, but I can tell you. Um, other than that, <laughs> that's about all. <laughs> just have to wait and just see. Just have to wait and see. Well, you're going to have to go back in the monolith now. Um to send you back home. That's, okay. how, that's how guests come and go now <laughs> through this monolith portal. I love it. Have you had a nice time? It's almost like flu powder at Harry Potter world. Um, <laughs> More Harry Potter, exactly. Love it. Um, I've had the best time. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for coming on this podcast. Anytime. And I almost feel like Jane and Duncan, who are they, you know, at this point? <laughs> We'll chuck them in the monolith. <laughs> we'll chuck them in the monolith too. <laughs> no, I really appreciate it. And we'll see you in the Discord, the RealPod Discord. I don't know how you get there if you're not in the Discord. I think you, it's in the show notes or something. Do you know, Ethan? Don't throw to me. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> you can download an app and then you search up, I think it's called Celebrity Treasure Island. On the left-hand side of the app, there's like a whole bunch of different little um, like chat groups. Okay. And this one's called Celebrity Treasure Island, I'm pretty sure. Within the RealPod Discord. Yeah. So you're doing our you're doing our housework for us. I love this. Such a professional. Um, thank you so much for being here, Cam. We'll have Jane and Duncan back next week. If you like this podcast, tell your friends, take your flatties. We'll see you next week. Kia ora e te iwi. Kia Butler here, podcast manager at The Spinoff. If you enjoy listening to our podcasts, consider supporting our mahi by signing up to become a spin-off member at thespinoff.co.nz slash donate. The Spin-Off Podcast Network.